past. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 11 of the Batman Universe Podcast. I'm your host, Dustin, and today we have again... Hey, this is Chris. And this is Apple. And we are going to bring you all the normal movie news. TV news, book news, general news, and of course we're going to have our spotlight character, which today will be Hugo Strange, Uh, and that suggestion actually came from... Uh, listener who emailed us in and um, our feature for today is actually going to be the history of Gotham City which another listener actually emailed us about so we got a lot to cover and uh, we're going to try to make these episodes just a little shorter than they've been in the last couple episodes because I've gotten a lot of emails about people having problems downloading a you know hour and a half long podcast or not being able to or having to re-download or whatever so we're going to try to cover as much as we can and in the uh, shortest amount of time possible. So, um, But you guys always um, email us at Batman Universe Podcast with your suggestions for future spotlight characters and features. And we'll take them into account and uh, we'll do them. So. You say uh, email us, you mean at, uh, is that at yahoo.com? Yes, it is. I'm sorry. It's... Uh, Batman Universe Podcast at yahoo.com. You can email us. You can also leave uh, a review on iTunes if you want, as well as leave fan mail on Podomatic, which is the website Batman Universe Podcast. You can leave fan mail or become a fan of the show, or you can just check out the links that we'll have uh, based on the stuff that we're talking about. So. Let's jump right into movie news and uh, start out. Uh, we got a lot to cover. May 14th, a uh, new 3D standee appears at the th- at different movie theaters across the country. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw it. I saw a picture of it. It's basically the the poster with the him on, with Batman on the bat pod, and the bat pod is like crashing out of a building. No, I haven't seen that one yet. It's actually pretty cool, and we'll provide a link. If you guys check out the website, we'll provide a link so that you can be directed to that picture. So did that, uh, did you see that new uh, the Joker one, where uh, it's that the what is that they were releasing at the IMAX? Was it mm-hmm. that or where the Joker's like standing like kind of the, on the poster? It has it like where he's standing sideways. Oh, I know what you're talking about. All right, well, also on May 14th, we had um, Kevin Conroy gave his first, well, WB provided us with the first interview with Kevin Conroy because he's voicing Batman um, as he has in the past numerous times um, in Batman Gotham Knight. Right. And this is the one that did the Batman, the animated series, right? Correct. This is the guy that we all know from the cartoons, um, the animated series, as well as... He also played Batman in um, Justice League and Justice League Unlimited as well. And did most of the... No, actually did all of the uh, Paul Dini... Or not Paul Dini. uh, Help me out. What's... uh, Tim? Yeah. Boost Tim uh, Batman animated movies. 
Mask of Phantasm, Mystery of Batwoman, and so forth and so on. So, we're just going to, uh, you can check out the whole interview online, but we're going to cover just a couple of the questions. I'll basically read the question that was asked to him, and then you guys can switch off on the answers. So, we'll start off at the top with the very first question he was asked, which was, what are your impressions of the film? So, Chris, go ahead and answer that one. Okay, he responds by saying, it's a really rich experience. The artwork in this film is so beautiful, so amazing. I love the adult-themed animated shows like The Simpsons and South Park and King of the Hill. I love the appeal of their writing, the irony, the sense of humor. Those are great animated product, uh, productions. But you forget just how rich animation artwork can be until you see a film like this. There's just no comparison. I've never seen anything like this in terms of diverse and rich animation in the industry. It's like getting six movies in one. The story is very interesting, especially the way it weaves in and out of Bruce Wayne's history, like the flashback to him training in India, learning to endure pain. It's a very well-conceived story, and I think it enhances a lot of the Batman mythology. I don't think there's any question the fans will love it, because it's such a deep animation experience, and it gives such great background into a character they already love. It's a very positive piece. And I like how he throws in there just a little bit of the story about how we're going to get a glimpse of him training in India and stuff like that. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. I didn't know he ever went to India. <laughs> He's been all over the place, hasn't he? Yeah. I guess so. All right. So the next question, which is just a couple questions down, it's uh, Batman Gotham Knight has essentially 12 different looks at your character. Nine of them, nine of Batman and three of Bruce Wayne, varying in design and age range. Were there any challenges to maintaining the consistency of your performance despite voicing to so many different image variations? In the past, we've always treated the shows like a radio play. We recorded the lines and then the animation took place. This time, the artwork came first, and that made the process interesting. Sometimes the artists put extra mouth flaps in or they made the canvas different from the way I usually deliver a line. So we have to work within these parameters and try to time the acting to fill the space. Interestingly, the original, or excuse me, originally they were going to cast another actor to do the young Bruce Wayne, and Andrea Romano convinced them to let me take a stab at it. I had done the younger voice in a number of of the Batman animated series flashbacks. So Andrea knew that uh, what I could do. And once I got into the studio and gave her a sample, they were convinced. The challenge is making the distinctions you have to make uh, concession, concessions for youth and give the character the sound of a younger man while still believable being, being the same guy. All right, so the next question is, he basically said, or the, whoever the questionnaire person was, says, in your mind, what's special about playing Batman? And he responds, I think what I didn't anticipate about voicing Batman was the fact that I was playing an icon. I just didn't take into account how much Batman meant to so many people. Coming from a very conservative background and not having extensive exposure to comic books and the character, it just never occurred to me. So in the beginning, I only thought of it as an acting job. All right, and then the very last question we'll go over is, it says, and now you're an icon in the Batman universe. 
I'm always flattered that people actually know who the voices are. It seems to me such an anonymous job, but periodically somebody recognizes me. It happened in a furniture store recently. To me, that's truly amazing. First, that someone knows who does the voice, and it's even more amazing that someone would know the face of the voice. I think a lot of the reason that I am so linked to Batman is because I've been doing it for so long. Before Batman the Animated Series, there, was, there really hadn't been a voice aside from Adam West. People knew Batman from the campy live-action series, and the fans knew the Dark Knight comic books. But there hadn't been a voice associated with the character, and certainly not a dramatic voice. I think I just lucked out because I was the one who started with, with it, and people grew up with that voice. And that's his basic interview. I mean, he, he the way I look at Kevin Conroy is Batman. I mean, I don't, I don't think he could actually play Batman in live action, but he's definitely got the perfect voice for that. Well, hey, if Michael Keaton could fit into a costume, I'd give this man a shot. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> well, you know what? It, it, it's like we, we grew up with him. A lot of the, the kids from the yeah. 60s had Adam West, and they'll associate it. If you ask anyone that grew up with that, it says, you know, Batman, to me, that's Adam West. To us, who grew up with the movies but grew up with different actors... Our only like our only solid point was always Kevin Conroy doing Batman. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think it is amazing that people can recognize him. I would I don't know what his face looks like, but uh, one of the things he mentioned at some point in that interview was that he he originally just auditioned for Commissioner Gordon or Harvey Bullock. He wasn't even thinking about Batman, and man, what a terrible tragedy it would have been if he didn't get that role. Yeah. But he, I think he's a good enough voice actor where even if he would have gotten one of those not uh, not so popular um, roles such as Commissioner Gorn or maybe Bullock, I think he's we probably wouldn't have even known unless we just saw it. I'm sure we, you know, I'm sure somebody would find out. Hey, he's in it, but he's not Batman. But at the same time, I think that he's a good enough voice actor where we, we wouldn't even be able to tell that it was him if he didn't know by just knowing. Mm-hmm. Right, and in his voice, I mean, it, it like it just is a presence that he has when he just speaks. You're like, oh man, that's Batman right there. Yep. The only other one I think is as as great and recognizable recognizable as him is the one that did Optimus Prime. Yep. Uh, whatever his name was, but he's the only other one that's a great cartoon voice actor that I could relate with. Peter Cullen is his name. Yeah, yeah. I was. This is a little bit of a side, but I was listening to a video game podcast a few weeks ago, and just a regular listener called in and could perfectly match that Optimus Prime voice, and he just carried on a regular conversation. It was so weird to listen to. Oh, it was a caller, right? A caller had called in. They had asked for uh, to do impersonations on that one. Yeah, yeah. I think it was that that game. I heard that same thing. He he spoke perfectly like, yeah. uh, like Optimus Prime. So if anyone out there can speak just like Kevin Conroy, uh, feel free to let us know, and <laughs> we'd love to have you on. Yep. All right, so May 14th, also, this was kind of uh, something that was a little out there, but um, there was a, there was bidding, there was a charity event that was going on, and you could bid on tickets to attend the premiere party for The Dark Knight. Um, I have no idea how much it ended up being, but the last time I... Ch- I checked, it was up to $8,000, so wow. a little out of my league. Somewhere the parents of a teenage daughter, Heath Ledger fan, are going to be very, very surprised. Yeah. 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> so eight thousand dollars to see a ticket. You thought popcorn and movies were expensive now. At the same time, you, you do like a prize or something. Do they give you like a little, you know, little, you know, gift or something? Well, they do fly you to the premiere party, which they said it was in L.A. You get tickets. I mean, you're basically watching the movie with the actors and stuff, so that's kind of cool. Yeah. If uh, well, listeners wanted to look at that, where would they go, Dustin? <laughs> it's no longer up. That's the thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's why I can't find out. I couldn't find out. I saw something about it online. I checked it out. But when I was writing up the outline for the podcast, it was gone. And I don't know what happened to it. I can't even find any history about it or anything. It was almost like either somebody offered so much money they just said, sold, and that was it. But who knows, because it said it was going to last until the end of the month, and Saturday's the end of the month, and it's not up anymore. So who knows? I was about to get my credit card. Maybe it was Joel. You know who it, you know who it was? I think it was Joel Shoemaker. <laughs> oh no, that's that's public enemy number one for us. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So May sixteenth, the third TV spot airs during the season finale of Smallville. Now I don't know if you guys saw it, but basically the only thing that I saw different in this one that I didn't see in the other, any of the other trailers or TV spots was there's a point where uh, Bruce Wayne tells uh, Lucius Fox. I need a new suit, and he's holding a, or, no, I'm trying to remember which one it is, because there's been two different TV spots with him, but basically, I'm pretty sure it's the one where he sits there and he says he needs a new suit, and he's like, what, you don't like the one you have, or something like that, and that's pretty much the only new thing that was in there. We already know he's going to have a new suit, so it's not really anything eye-awakening or anything. So... I didn't see that one. Well, you know, at least they address it, because in the other movies, you're, it never tells you whatever happened to the other suits. Yeah. At least we'll get to find out what happens to this suit. That is true. And we'll provide a uh, uh, a link to, so that you guys, anybody who wants to go see the, the new TV spot can see it. Like I said, it's not that big of a deal. Nothing new opening. Although I do want to bring up one thing that I was thinking about earlier today. You know, a lot of people said that Iron Man was kind of like a no-brainer. Everyone knew what was going to happen in the movie Iron Man before Iron Man came out because there were so many videos released prior to Iron Man coming out. You know, behind-the-scenes footage with John Faravu or, you know, like 15 different trailers, 15 different TV spots, and there was no, like, real secret. Now, what I look at is I don't think The Dark Knight's going to be like that at all, and I think that's another reason why The Dark Knight is going to be so much better in the box office than Iron Man because there's so much hype around it, but Christopher Nolan's good about making sure that he wants you wanting more, and that's what makes you go see the movie. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, um, with Christopher Nolan, I mean, we got David Goyer right behind that, you know, writing the whole thing. Right. So, and I mean, this guy, I mean, he he is a comic book guy. I mean, if this one here, he would talk, and I mean, he would just talk right with us you know stay on point with us about batman's history and with him doing the movie i feel so calm you know so so confident in the film and chris nolan i mean the the mystery the the aura that this man has when he directs i mean it it just makes you excited it makes you excited okay what's going to happen i want to see heath Heath ledger's 
performance. I, I, I'm waiting for that because you know, as a Batman fan as we are, we're oh, we're gonna compare it to like, okay, well there was Jack Nicholson, and he was an awesome Joker. The the people from the '60s, the fans, the Batman fans, they're gonna you know they're gonna think of uh, Cesar Romero. So in essence, this one right here is in a way our kind of Joker. Yep. You know, so you know it, it with with that powerhouse and that kind of cast i man i know you guys are excited just like i am exactly yeah after this movie comes out i expect huge increases in places in sales in places like hot topic and other gothic places because i look at the joker and i see his i don't know i'd call it gothic punk type thing and i've just i've wondered how that will influence the youth uh, because he's going to make everything look so cool yeah, and uh, I'll, I'll be interested. But yeah, it's definitely a very different Joker, and for this generation, that'll probably be all they know about the Joker, which is neat. Yeah, it's a it's a good way of, and like you were saying, how it'll influence the youth. I think if it influences the youth at all, you know, it's a good thing because it brings another generation to knowing Batman, and mm-hmm. I think that's what's most important for the success of Batman. You know, fifty years from now, is just making sure that. A good representation of the character is given. I wonder if the uh, comic book series will be influenced uh, any at all by their, you know, because the comic book version of Joker isn't really what's going to be shown with Heath Ledger, but it seems like when a movie like this comes out, you can see some reflections in the comic books. I'll be interested to see if different artists or writers uh, uh, translate some of that. Yeah. Well, you know, I think David Goyer took, like, little parts from other past Joker stories that were written to create um, this type of Joker that he wrote. Heath Ledger was the one, I think, that, that took the psychotic part over. You know, I mean, because, I mean, this guy was, I mean, he's a brilliant, you know, he was a brilliant actor, you know. So with him, him doing it, Goyer writing it. I mean, you know, it's going to be big things. And, you know, speaking on the part of the culture, I mean, summer of 89 when Batman hit, Batman was everywhere. Everybody was putting on their hair. I mean, you were, you were cutting into your hair when you got the haircut. I mean, your shorts, you had the Batman shorts, you had the Batman top. So, yeah, I mean, Batman's always been a part of, like, the pulp, the, you know, the pop culture, um, you know, for, you know, especially for this country and, you know, other countries around the world. Mm-hmm. All right, so May 16th, also, there was a pretty much an online invitation to anybody who is interesting for tickets available for Christopher Nolan's honoring. In Chicago, they're going to have an honoring sometime in June, and I guess they're going to be showing the movie at the same time, or The Dark Knight, at at this honoring for Christopher Nolan. And tickets are only actually $150. But obviously that only includes your ticket to get in, not airfare if you live in Japan. So, But you can get that. I'll provide a link to that so you can check that out. If So if you do have the money and you want to fly to Chicago to see the movie two days ahead of time, you have that option. Hmm. So also May 16th, BatmanFilm.com was sent a new Joker banner. And if anybody saw it, it's basically Joker standing in a road like every other poster we've seen. It's not very different than any other poster that we've seen. It's just as strictly Joker. So, 
That's the poster I was talking about. <laughs> that was one. That's one. Of the, that's not the one from that French or Spain magazine. Not it wasn't that picture, but that was the poster I was talking about. That well, the banner. That's the banner that's going to be hanging in the IMAXs, right? Yeah. Right. Oh, wow. So, on May twenty first, Warner Warner Home Video updated the official website for Batman Gotham Knight and brought a MySpace and Facebook page online for the movie as well. Also, you can when you go to that website that they updated, you can get this. Oh, you can get a widget for your computer or for your desktop screens or your laptop screen or whatever. Counting down the days to the dark or uh, the release of Batman Gotham Knight, which is July 8th, as we all know. And there was some other. There's a the, you can check out the trailers, and there's some other downloads that you can check out on that website, and we'll provide a link to that as well. So also May 21st, thedarknight.com got updated. A lot more downloads. There's uh, there's a wallpaper on there. There's buddy icons for AIM some other stuff um, you can watch all three trailers there and you can file through some all the pictures that have been officially released so that's basically what happened then they didn't have a set if they're gonna have like a special edition DVD have they or Gotham Knight right yeah well there's gonna be one disc Batman Gotham Knight on DVD and there'll be a two disc Batman Gotham Knight on DVD, and then the two-disc is like a special edition DVD, but then there will also be the Blu-ray, and the Blu-ray will have all the special features wrapped into, you know, just the one disc. Okay. We're going we're gonna to have to stay, stay, on, stay on top of that, see if uh, Circuit City or Best Buy is going to be giving away anything. Much like, you know, when the Batman Begins, you know how they were giving out the little cell-shaded pictures, or if you bought it from... From uh, one store, they were giving out like special things with it. Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, even when the Batman animated series came out on DVD, if you bought them, you could get a uh, like the Litho cell with a scene from the TV show in it. But they always have something, so it'd be interesting to see who does have something. And I'm sure we'll find out more as it gets closer. Probably within the next couple weeks, we'll find we'll find something else out. So. Yeah, we'll probably find our movie ticket in there. Well, there actually there is a in the limited edition or not the limited the Batman Begins uh, release the special edition DVD that comes out on July eighth will actually have a movie ticket to go see uh, the Dark Knight as well. That's the as, special edition for Blu-ray, right? Uh, well, no, no, the special edition DVD will have it, and the limited edition Blu-ray will have it as well. Okay. There might be some other ones, but I know for a fact that those will for sure have it. So, alright. On May 22nd, there was an interview with Greg Rucka. We all know Greg Rucka from writing a bunch of comics that we've read over the years. Um, he actually wrote one of the sections, or uh, chapters, for Batman Gotham Knight. So there's an interview from him, much lengthier than Kevin Conroy's, but we'll pick out probably like four questions here, and we'll read some of those so that you guys can get a kind of idea of what he, his thought process was when he did this. 
All right, so the very first question that we're going to read off this interview was, how was the writing process for an animated film different than for comics? Greg Rucker responds, when you script comics, you can't script action. You can only script a moment of action. Writing for film or television or animation or live action changes that. You can write a sentence that says, running across the road, and they'll actually run across the road. That's the most obvious mechanical element. When you write a comic strip, I tend to be very controlling of what the camera is doing. When you're writing for film, whatever the format, that's not really your job. That's the director's job. So it becomes a task of conveying what information has to be seen, what the viewer must know, and hopefully the director gets it. Makes sense. All right, and the next question. Are there any rules for you in writing for Batman? And Greg Rickers respond, this is my favorite kind of Batman. When you see him in the short burst, Chris Nolan really made the point in Batman Begins for Batman to work psychologically. You, you can't see him coming. That's the essence of the character. If you are watching the movie and he's about to leap off a building, sure, do a long sweeping short of him and eat it up with a spoon. But if your point of view is that one of the characters, no one should see him if you're in Gordon's POV, then you sh you shouldn't get a good look at the guy. Batman is always goal-oriented. He's not going to waste time. I like the key to writing Batman is to give him the fewest words possible because he's there to get the job done. Perfect. All right. And then the next question is, was there anything you definitely wanted to incorporate into your segment? Greg Rucker responds, I wanted that revolutionary moment for Chris Pazow. That moment of understanding of exactly what Batman is in the context of Gotham. I won't give away any spoilers, but in that moment, that came across really well, too. Ultimately, getting to use Chris was just great, and it was especially neat seeing Chris get picked up in some of the other pieces I didn't write. In my 10 years of working for DC, there aren't a whole slew of characters that I created that have been given legs and moved into the wider world. So just seeing Chris in three other segments was kind of a hoot. All right, and for those of you who don't know, Chris Chris Allen is also known as the Spectre. He was uh, the third incarnation of Spectre. So obviously, I don't he think he's going to be playing the Spectre in Batman Gotham Knight, but he will be playing what he was intended for when Greg Rucka actually wrote wrote him in Gotham Central, which was Detective Crispus Allen, who works for the GCPD. So it's just kind of another little thing for real comic book fans to really know that, you know, they're using real real characters from the comics in the movie. So the last question we're going to read is, what's your attraction to Batman? Great record responded, aside from the cool factor, I love the inherent tragedy of the man. The really good characters in Gotham are filled with pathos. Your heart breaks for them. And especially for Bruce Wayne. When Batman is made properly, and the Batman Begins certainly did this, what you're seeing is a man who is driven by a fundamentally uh, artistic mission, even if it's the most personal reason. And it's a mission that he's doomed to fail at. Still, he doesn't stop. This was, oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. There was a line that I used in a Batman comic, and I've heard it echoed elsewhere. The Batman is on a fool's errand. Well, it's a fool's errand, but that doesn't make him a fool. Exactly, because if you think about it, 
they say that you know if you think about the very end of Batman Begins, <clears throat> they sit they sit there and they make it seem like because Batman's there, other criminals will will come and they'll be costume freaks like the Joker or whatever. But honestly, there's no way Batman will ever succeed in his mission to rid Bat or rid Gotham City of crime. He can just kind of control it, but he can't rid it because. No matter what he does, there's always going to be some kind of new villain that shows up. And I think that's what really attracts us as Batman fans, doesn't it? Are the pathos? Exactly. Because, I mean, you take, I mean, there's Joker, Two-Face, uh, Clayface, uh, Poison Ivy, Catwoman, all of them have problems, you know? And, and that is, you know, from Batman being cool... That's also the cool characters are the villains. And that's why I think Batman's villains have succeeded so much more than anybody else's villains. Story-wise, at least. Well, much like well, Batman's... I, I know I, probably the, the nearest um, hero to even rival him is probably going to be Spider-Man. Right. But, I mean, we can you can still name more villains of Batman... Rather than you can of Spider Man. Iron Man just came out, and Iron Man's worst enemy is actually himself. Yep. You know? So, I mean, you could tell someone, okay, who else was Iron Man's uh, villain? You go to them and say, who's Batman? Oh, you got Joker, you got Penguin, you got Catwoman. I mean, it can just go on and on, and that's because of the history of, you know, writers that have touched Batman. And of course, you know, of course, it's all started with Bob Kane's creation, you know. But I, I mean, that's what I think. Like writers, like Greg here, uh, they they enjoy writing this. They 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 it takes them to a level that you've seen it done. What can I do with it? Yeah, Batman's greatest villain is Jill Schumacher, <laughs> and ours, <laughs> and who, and ours. Who's that? Our our. Our greatest, our greatest villain. Oh, and our yeah, our greatest villain yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So May twenty second, there's another new sweepstakes that came out through superpages.com. We'll provide you a link to that. It's basically um, the sweepstakes. I'm not going to go into detail about it, but you go, you do the sweepstakes, and you could possibly win tickets to go see the premiere. You know, it basically seems like all the sweepstakes now are all about the premiere. But May twenty third, there was a uh, the channel Reels channel hosts a uh, closer look at the Dark Knight. Um, no new footage from that. It was just basically their overview of what to, what's to come with the Dark Knight. And they basically mentioned the viral marketing and how it's getting fans a lot, getting fans super hyped. And they talked a little bit about the unfortunate passing of Heath Ledger. And this is really his, his last finished um, piece of work. Um, it's pretty good. We'll we'll post a link to that so you guys can check that out if you're interested as well. Um, there's a couple other things that just happened the last couple days. Um, on May 27th, uh, Christian Bale was did an interview for Details Details Magazine, and in the inter in the interview he basically said that. He was hoping really to share this um, work that they've done together, um, share it with Heath Ledger, but unfortunately, you know, he's not going to be able to now. So it was kind of a 
what I read, it was it, it sounded like it was an emotional interview. Um, but that was, and he's also going to be on the cover of uh, Details Magazine. Um, on May 28th, um, the new milk ad got came out, Got Milk. And we see the Dark Knight, or Batman, in his new suit, new and improved suit, wearing the bat, or wearing the, the milk mustache. <laughs> and we all know that, well... Most of us know that he did, uh, when Batman Begins came out, he appeared in his suit from that movie and did a ad for Milk as well. Yeah, I remember that one. So, also on May 28th, um, there was a new Dark Knight banner, which I think is the one actually you were talking about, Apple, with the profile picture of the Dark Knight, or uh, with the Joker, him kind of with his head on this, uh, like a 90 degree angle from his face with ha ha ha's all over it yes that's the one yeah that was uh that was exclusive to omelet uh, i think it's omelet.com i'm not sure yeah omelet.com that's a, like a magazine right yeah mm-hmm. and also that same day usa today announced that the dark knight won um the first ever golden trailer award now dark knight was already Already won Best Action Trailer Award, but it ended up winning. Oh well, no. Hold on. Let me double check that. The trailer basically won Best Action Trailer ahead of time, but then it ended up winning Best or the first ever Trailer of the Year category, and Dark Knight actually won by a 44% margin. Which means nothing was even close to it. So, um, and then the only other news that we had um, was on was actually today, May 29th, which I think is actually old news. But the Dark Knight score will be released July 15th, and there will actually be four different configurations of the way it'll be released. And those configurations are that there will be the Dark Knight soundtrack, a, which will be a standard jewel case CD. There will be a 2LP set of heavyweight 180-gram vinyl version, and then a special edition digipack, and a collector's edition with special artwork to come after the release. So there's four different versions of that that you guys can pick up. I think that was the only new news. I think we already knew that it was coming out the 15th, but... Right. So, you know, probably the artwork afterwards is probably going to contain Two-Face on it. Yep, it probably will. Mm-hmm. So, TV news. None to report. Uh, still nothing new about the new series that's coming out this fall. I'm pretty sure that within... We probably won't hear anything until later on. Um in this summer, but we do have book news, which I'm going to throw over to Chris to take that. Okay, cool. Uh, Coming out um, today, actually, uh, May 28th, uh, Batman Gotham After Midnight 12-issue miniseries uh, hits the stands. It's a special standalone comic book miniseries, and uh, the uh, DC.com promo says, There are things that go bump in the night. Be Be thankful that one of those things is on our side. 
When the full moon rises and casts its eerie glow over the land, the creatures of the night come out to hunt and feast and prey on the innocent citizens of Gotham City. And only one man stands in their way, the Batman. These are the bizarre and frightening case files of the Dark Knight Detective, featuring grave robbers, men making monsters, night terrors, and the debut of an all-new Moonlight monster known only as Midnight. And uh, today I went to the comic book store and checked it out, um, and um, I almost picked it up, but uh, personally, um, I'm not a big fan of the way the pages look. I don't know if it's just the glossy pages or if it's the way the artist did the coloring on them, um, but I've heard some interesting things about this series. Uh, somewhere else I was reading that um, the uh, the people in charge of it were saying, you know, cities, they have this uh, thing that you say that, you know, a city's different at night. And uh, and with Batman, you know, he really begins his uh, job at night. He doesn't go home and relax in a chair. Uh, that's when his night just starts. And this really tries to explore some of the more character aspects of Batman and how he handles this. And um, I believe the main writers were saying that each issue they wanted to focus on a different, well-known uh, Batman villain. And they were very excited about what they were going to do with the Joker. So it may turn out to be a very interesting read. Um, and also coming up um, in uh, a little bit, June 4th, is the Robin Spoiler Special. Uh, not meaning that there are spoilers uh, to Robin, but meaning his, uh, his female companion spoiler. Uh, and the DC uh, blurb on that is, From the rooftops, uh, let's see, From the rooftops in Robin to Gotham Underground, Spoiler's identity has remained a mystery until now. All is revealed in this special. When Robin and Spoiler team up to take down a kidnapping ring, hit up an illegal warehouse party, and finish Tim's algebra homework. Just another day in the life of teenage vigilante superhero. Plus, even more Robin doesn't know. Spoiler's secret identity in another country, in another life, one she can never leave behind. It's going to be 48 pages, only 4 bucks. So that might be interesting if you're a fan of the uh, Robin series. I believe it's going to have the same artist that's been doing the uh, recent ones. Um, and that's really the, the biggest uh, special comic books that are coming out. All right. So on the general news, not a lot to report, but on May 15th, Six Flags Great Adventure um, opened the Dark Knight coaster. And then all, on May 21st, Six Flags Great America opened their Dark Knight coaster. Now, I don't know if you guys saw anything about this. I did. But what I heard was that the ride is good the first time. But mm -hmm. the second time, not so good because the weight... If you haven't gone on it, it's a great ride because there's. I guess there's a lot of things that you... That, that, uh, are interactive while you're waiting in line but once you see all that stuff the first time when you're waiting in line the second time for up to maybe two hours long it kind of gets pointless and doesn't seem to be worth it anymore that's a shame yeah i was reading oh, go ahead oh go ahead chris well, I was reading that um, uh, some websites reporting, you know, this is a f uh, family coaster. This is not a thrills coaster. It doesn't go that fast. It doesn't do anything dangerous. And uh, those are kind of reviews before the ride was finished. Then after the ride was finished, I was reading some others that were pretty positive, saying it's a great visual experience. Um, yeah, it definitely is a family thing, but it has some sort of 180 loop. And it made me think of uh, Six Flags in Texas. Uh, there, I guess it's—I don't know what it's called—a Runaway Mountain, maybe. The uh, 
the mountain that's just in this big factory that the thrill of it's that you're in the dark. Um, but yeah, what were you saying, Apple? Oh no, the, I heard I heard that the the reviews that uh, Dustin was talking about that it was like yeah it was good the first time around, but then I did read some reviews where it said you know it was a, a pretty okay ride, but you know for you know coming from the collector side. You know, they are going to have a little store around there selling all the merchandise. That is true. <laughs> so you got to pick up all the Dark Knight stuff you can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I did want to point out about that coaster was I did watch a video online about, um, I guess someone took the video of, like, the opening day or whatever. And there was actually uh, footage that was created specifically for this coaster that was taped by Warner Brothers uh, and, and included... Uh, Aaron Eckhart playing Harvey Dent as the district attorney and he gives he's basically like giving a press conference about how he's going to take out take down all the corrupt cops and blah 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 and then all of a sudden like in the middle of his press conference it kind of looks it kind of seems like it gets hacked and suddenly it's like a jokerized version where smiles start popping up on his face and the track starts skipping and at the very end it says why so serious on it. So that is a kind of kind of a cool thing that I thought would be something cool to see while you're waiting in the line. Yeah, now that sounds cool. Yeah, yeah, that's that's cool right there. I wonder if they're gonna have a tumbler out in the front. Remember um, back when Michael Keaton was? If you went to any of the Six Flags, they had the 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 Batmobile out in the front. Yeah, that'd be cool if they did. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So on merchandise news, we only got two things to report. May 14th, Hershey launches Bat Signal Sweepstakes. Now, I'm going to provide a link to this. you got to check this out. Um, <laughs> basically, Hershey, um, with their Reese's and Kit Kat, Kit, Kit Kat bars, um, you got to buy the specially marked packages of Reese's, Reese's Pieces, all the Reese's stuff, and then Kit Kats. And... Look for a bat signal. If you want to, if you find a bat signal, you can win some really cool stuff. Uh, the grand prize is this awesome uh, Dark Knight themed uh, motorcycle. It is it, oh, really cool. Oh, it's so awesome! Oh yeah. So you got to check that out. Like I said, the link will be provided on the website. And if you're listening to this right now and you want the website, because you got to check it out, it's BatmanUniversePodcast.podomatic.com. Anyway, I went to uh, Walmart yesterday and I made sure to check the uh, the candy aisles. And unfortunately, they weren't there yet. But I did see online a picture of what's inside of one of these uh, special Reese's uh, Reese's things. And it's instead of two cups, it's one big one shaped in the the bat symbol, which yeah. is really neat to look at. It's really funny. It kind of it, it yeah. kind of reminds me of like you know around Christmas time you got the giant Christmas or well not giant but you know a Christmas tree that's filled with peanut butter. Mm-hmm. And that's like basically what they've done is just made a bat one, bat like a batarang kind of or a, well bat signal or whatever you want to call it. But yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be picking up a few everyone every time I go to Walmart because that motorcycle is very awesome looking. Well, you know, I, I think uh, our stomachs are going to be hurting for a while because <laughs> when is eating chocolate? <laughs> hey, I'm gonna I'm going to be exercising regularly during the sweepstakes. Well, here's another thing that you can get involved in. The Dark Knight now has a tie-in with Cheerios, and those are supposed to be available now. You can pick up a bowl by uh, every time you pick up a Reese's, you can pick up a box of Cheerios, and the Cheerios will keep your Reese's in check. So 
the Cheerios you can get, well, there, there's nothing really, there's no sweepstakes or anything like that, but they do have a Joker and a Batman toy inside them. So, you know, not nearly as good as winning possibly, a, you know, a, a tricked out motorcycle, but still there's something to do with the Dark Knight. Constellation prize. Yes. <clears throat> they look pretty neat too. They reminded me of uh, Lego Batman. Yeah. Which is cool. Oh, you know what? Speaking of which, speaking of the the Lego Batman, have any of you visit the the Batman uh, Lego video game site yet? I don't believe so. Well, they have uh, short movies. They have uh, movies downloaded. I, I I haven't seen it before. I, I went on this morning and uh, I saw video uh, highlights of the video game, and they have like a little short story of uh, the all the villains from Batman, uh, like Robin. Um, I guess it was like a, a museum sort, and uh, each one has a movie of how they get away and how Batman goes after them. So it's really cool. You got to check that out. I have seen something like that. Uh, I'm subscribing to GameTrailers.com podcast, and I think they send uh, any new things that come out. And I've seen quite a few of the Batman villain spotlights. Um, yeah, I've enjoyed those. It looks really interesting. I think that I think that game is really going to be something. Yeah, I was encouraged because at first I thought, man, a lot of Lego video games coming out. But I listened to the people that are making this game, and they're like, yeah, we really wanted to get into the Batman. Uh, the whole Batman mythos and universe and how they do things and what's particular about that that character and what he would do. And so I think that's going to translate into the vehicles and the missions and everything. It's not going to be a cookie cutter. You know, it's not going to be Star Wars Legos with instead of Star Wars Batman. I think it's going to be very central to the Batman character and his universe. So that's encouraging, and it does look like it's a great game. Right. Well, uh, Traveler's Tales, the ones that are making it, of course, you know, they made the the Star Wars, and they're making the Indiana Jones. If I don't know if you two have played those, but, man, those games are awesome. You know, the way they do, like, the the the, the, the sense of the movies and how they make them kind of, uh, uh, how they've uh, kind of, like, updated them. They put a little twist to them. That's what I'm expecting for the for the Batman. They put that little twist in there. And a lot of the, the feedback from it says it has a lot of, uh, it draws a lot of strength from the, the animated series. Oh, that's good. I wonder if they'll have a uh, Bane, Lego Bane that breaks Lego Batman and actually breaks him in half. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll get the uh, that new Batman that took his place that I don't think oh, you guys no. like. But I love that costume. <laughs> that, I, I would buy that game on the spot if it had that costume available. Chris, you love that costume. I'm telling you, I like the Azrael costume. When he was Azrael, I liked that costume. Not not the knives, uh, fingers, or... Oh, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get into listener response or listener Q and A. So, unfortunately, we do not have a lot of listener responses. I'm not sure what happened. I think everyone got super excited and emailed me all at once, and never wanted to email again. I don't know. Maybe we're just getting <laughs> less popular. Not, no. Uh, according to our stats, we're uh, we're actually growing and getting more listeners every day. Like, we're on average of getting, like, 100 listeners every day. But for some reason, nobody wants to email us. So we must be appealing to the shy crowd who doesn't want to get their email <laughs> right on the air. So the very first one we do have says, Hey, my name is Alberto. I found your podcast on iTunes not too long ago. First off, hats to you and your nice podcast. I found it entertaining and very interesting. Like other listeners, I was upset that I didn't find much... Um, didn't find didn't find much on Batman since he's my favorite superhero. He's an ordinary guy with cool gadgets who just saves the world. 
I haven't had the time to listen to all the episodes, but enjoy the Forgotten Villain section a lot, which you recently replaced with Spotlight Character. My favorite Batman movie is Batman Begins because I felt Christopher Nolan gave the franchise a dark tone into the background history of Batman from an interesting, interesting viewpoint. I'm very excited about Dark Knight, but sad that I have to wait for a long time to see it. Finally, I just want to give you a congrats on the podcast and keep up the good work. P.S. Since you chose to do the Scarecrow as a spotlight character in this past episode, um, I was thinking if you could put the Joker on the spotlight, he is my favorite character of all time, or favorite villain of all time. Well, like I said in the last podcast, we will be doing the Joker. Um, If I look at the calendar, which I don't have in front of me, so I'm not really looking at it, um, not the next podcast, but the next one after that, we will feature Two-Face, and then the one after that, we'll do the Joker. Uh, I'm not sure who will do the next podcast, because I'm pretty sure there's at least three podcasts before the movie comes out, but not sure who will do next one. As always, we can take suggestions from listeners, and we can use one of their suggestions, but we will be doing Two-Face, and we will be doing Joker the two weeks, the two podcasts prior to the movie coming out. The Joker will be the podcast right before the release, so... Watch your calendars, watch iTunes or whatever you guys watch to see if it's or if the new episode's coming out, and we will do it. So, um, the next one is from Bill. He says, Dustin, hey, I've been checking out your podcast and I'm really loving it. I would love to come on sometime. Currently, I do a podcast called Gotham Knights, Batman Family Review Podcast and on old and new books. I decided to do a Batman fi- podcast for the love of my character, and before I even knew there was any other Batman-related podcast out there. I didn't want to step on anybody's toes, you know. I, I, a little about myself, I'm 37 years old. I got introduced to Batman through the old 60s TV show, Super Friends. And I've been reading Batman comics since the, about 86 or 87. I have read everything from Nightfalls to Officer Down to Present. We'll come on your show, or would love to come on your show and share my opinions. Um, so I emailed uh, Bill back, and we're going to have him on in a couple episodes in the future, especially when we bring back uh, the comic reviews. Since his podcast is all about comic reviews, we're going to bring him back. So, Cool. cool. Um, and then we just had a couple other emails about people having problems downloading the podcast. So not really sure what happened. No idea, guys. Um, downloaded it just like every other, or, you know, uploaded it to the website just like every other podcast. Not real sure why so many different people had problems with it. Um, you know, I did get a couple, I did get a couple emails saying people really enjoyed the GPW, um, interview. Um, yeah, as for the problems with the episodes, I'm thinking it's just because they're longer, so I apologize if they're longer, because now this episode is going to be long as heck, too, because we're already at, like, <laughs> 52 minutes. But, hey, who doesn't want to listen to Batman for a long period of time, or about Batman for a long period of time? If you don't, then this isn't the podcast for you. That's my exactly. you know what um You know what my suggestion is for the, the people that are downloading? Uh, recheck your iTunes settings. Uh, also check your settings on your iPod. Go, go into your settings. View it the way your podcasts are coming out because you probably do have the downloaded, probably downloaded faster, and uh, it's probably not sitting under podcasts. You haven't arranged it on your on your set list. It's probably just sitting under artists or something, and they're probably still looking for it while they're re-downloading it, and it's already been downloaded. Yep. 
Alright, so that's all the listener Q&A. As always, Batman Universe Podcast at Yahoo.com. And you can check out the website and do all kinds of crazy things on the website. BatmanUniversePodcast.Podomatic.com And when I say crazy things, unfortunately, it's not that interactive. You can just leave comments and fan mail. So, uh, Alright, on to Spotlight Villain. This week's Spotlight, or this episode's Spotlight uh, character is actually Hugo Strange. And this was suggested by a listener who emailed us a couple weeks ago. And we are now going to do Hugo Strange. So we're going to throw it over to Chris with uh, Spotlight Characters. So go ahead, Chris. All right. This Spotlight villain is Hugo Strange. No relation to the dictator from Venezuela. Hugo Strange is a fictional character and supervillain in DC Comics. He first appeared in Detective Comics number 36 way back in February of 1940 and is one of the first recurring villains Batman ever faced. He preceded the Joker and Catwoman by a couple of months. That's right. Before the Joker, there was Hugo Strange. Pre-Crisis Hugo Strange first appears as a scientist who uses a stolen, concentrated lightning machine that he uses to generate a dense fog, allowing him to rob banks unseen. In his second appearance, he escapes from the city Isolum, which is later known as Arkham Isolum, with five insane patients and uses them as test subjects, turning them into hulking zombies by administering a powerful artificial growth hormone that acted on the pituitary gland, a side effect that caused the victim to become a mindless brute, uh, later known as Joe Schumacher. Strange administers <laughs> Hugo Strange administers it to Batman, but the caped crusader saves himself by creating a drug that prevented any abnormal secretions from the pituitary gland. In Detective Comics number 46, a punch from Batman sends Strange falling to his apparent death. I believe in 1940, apparently it was much more okay for Batman to punch people in the face and send them falling to their death. He returned in the 1970s during the Strange Apparations story arc. Having survived his earlier death, Strange is running a private hospital for Gotham City's wealthiest citizens, where he holds them for ransom, of course. When Bruce Wayne checks into the hospital to recover discreetly from radiation burns he received as Batman, Strange discovers Batman's secret identity and attempts to auction the knowledge off to Gotham's top villains. This was pre-Ebay. Mafia boss Rupert Thorne, which was also seen in the animated series, tries to torture the information out of Hugo Strange, uh, but apparently ends up killing Strange before he can learn the secret he holds. As revealed in Batman number 356, way back in February of 1983, Strange had not really been killed, of course. He had used yoga methods to slow his heartbeat to an undetectable level, uh, something a famous person in G.I. Joe knows how well, to do as well. i got to start learning how to take yoga. If he, <laughs> if he can do that, I'm going to take yoga. <laughs> uh, Mr. Strange plots his revenge against Thorn and Batman. Strange creates a ghost which haunts Thorn until he turns himself into authorities. Through the use of drugs and robots, Strange attempts to weaken Bruce Wayne before usurping him in the role of Batman. 
after failing, Strange apparently dies when he blows up a replica of Wayne Manor. Now, in Earth 2, the Earth 2 version of Strange also survives the fall he himself experienced way back when Batman punched him in the face. However, <laughs> however, he is left paralyzed. After years of physical therapy, he regains enough movement to write out the surgical techniques needed to repair the damage to his body and bribes a surgeon to perform the operation. However, the surgeon lacks Strange's skill, leaving him physically deformed, and the surgeon dies for his failure. Strange oh. uses... Yeah, it's terrible, terrible. Strange uses one of his devices to capture Starman's cosmic rod to use its power to attack everyone and everything Batman holds dear. Not bitter at all. Uh, he generates a storm in Gotham to obtain the device, which creates a dimensional doorway to Earth-1, bringing that universe's Batman over to Earth-2 and allows him and that world's Robin to join with the original Batwoman in defeating Strange. Strange realizes that he is in fact angry at his own wasted life and deformed body, and Strange then uses the cosmic rod to commit suicide. That's so he's the, dead. Well, in Earth 2, he's dead. In the Earth 2, uh, Hugo Strange is dead. Now, yeah. post, post-crisis, in the post-crisis continuity, Strange is reintroduced in the Prey arc as a psychologist hired to use his skills to help bring in Batman. He eventually figures out Batman's secret identity, uh, but instead of revealing it to the public, he keeps it a secret. According to Commissioner James Gordon, Strange was abandoned as a child, grew up in state homes, was a bright kid, and apparently had a hell of a temper. Nobody knows how he put himself through college and medical school, but uh, that was actually by Batman and the Mad Monk. Or actually, I think that was revealed, is what this is saying, in Batman and the Mad Monk. Um, he was raised in an orphanage on the Lower East Side of Gotham, not far from the infamous Crime Alley, in the heart of a part of Gotham known as Hell's Crucible. Strange became professor of psychiatry at Gotham State University, but had his tenure suspended due to his increasingly bizarre theories in genetic engineering. At some point, he is approached by an Indian man named Sanjay, who seeks Strange's aid in curing his sick brother. Strange agrees to help, and Sanjay works loyally by his side from that point onward. Borrowing money from gangster Sal Maroney, who is in the employee of Gotham's criminal kingpin Carmine Falone, uh, Falcone, I'm sorry, let me say it again, criminal kingpin Carmine Falcone, I believe that was also in Batman the Animated Series, Strange sets up a lab. He then bribes a corrupt orderly to give him incurably insane inmates from Arkham Islam, who have been institutionalized so long that they will not be missed. Strange experiments have literally monstrous results with his test subjects turning into gigantic, mindless monster men possessing superhuman strength and cannibalistic instincts. Strange uses these monster men to raise the money he needs to pay back his mafia connections. Now, in another storyline, he is posing as a psychiatrist doing standard stress evaluations at Wayne Enterprises, and while Bruce Wayne is on the couch, Strange drugs him with a power hallucinogen in order to coax Wayne into admitting that he is Batman. Batman escapes and triggers a post-hypnotic suggestion in himself, forcing him to completely repress the Batman aspect of his mind, similar to what many of us did after Batman and Robin, until Robin and Nightwing can thwart Strange. 
believing that his theory that Bruce Wayne had has been disproved and that he may have actually killed Batman. Strange had a mental breakdown and is taken to Arkham Islam. Following that, Strange reappears as the head of a gang of super criminals attempting to take control of Gotham's east side, then controlled by Catwoman. Catwoman joins Strange's gang, then allows its members to find out that she intends to betray them, faking her death when they attempt to eliminate her. Although she defeats and imprisons most of the gang, and even convinces Strange to leave the east side alone, Strange still mocks her by pointing out that he had faked his own death far more often than she had. <laughs> he is currently seen in Salvation Rung amongst the villains imprisoned on another planet. He has appeared in Batman the Animated Series, uh, Justice League Unlimited, and the Batman cartoon shows. And that is your Villain of the Week. Have you seen the, the one of the figures that's out now with him where he's like dressed up in the Batman suit? No, they actually have a figure of them. Yeah, I, I was uh, I was scanning the DC Direct.com for you know for whatever's coming out or whatever I'm gonna buy next, <laughs> and uh, I came across that figure and I was like, what is Hugo doing with the Batman suit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going back to that <laughs> you know, and you know what I find it. You know, Chris, you you, you say uh, Ar Arkham Islam. You don't want to oh, say Asylum. Asylum. Oh, oh asylum. no, that's we just always my... call it asylum. So. Oh, that's just my ignorance. I've never been to no. I was like, side. okay, I was like, you know, maybe, maybe it was me. I, I didn't know, Chris. <laughs> I actually said nineteen words the wrong way, listeners. So if you can identify those words, please write us at Batman Universe Podcast <laughs> at yahoo.com <laughs> Now we're just gonna get a whole bunch of hate mail. How we can't pronounce anything. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you can just give them that hallucinogen, just like you know what we're taking for the Batman and Robin movie, you know. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So on the upcoming releases, <clears throat> on May twenty eighth, which was yesterday, um, Batman six seventy seven, Batman Gotham after midnight number one, and that's of twelve, and the Huntress Year One number two of six. And all I'll say about that is uh, the Batman number 677. That is part two of the R.I.P. storyline by Grant Morrison. I picked that up, but I have not looked through it. But definitely look for that one if you are a fan at all of the comics. Yes. You know, Chris, I, 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 I don't want to spoil it for you guys, but I found out who the villain was for that. Oh, you better hush your mouth. Yeah, don't, don't, yeah. let's not ruin it. <laughs> you know, it, it's George Schumacher. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I yeah, they they put them in there. <laughs> I oughta. <laughs> so next, so next podcast we're doing Spotlight Villain Joe Schumacher. Yes, yes, that's actually a decent idea. Email us if you want to hear about Joel Schumacher being the ultimate villain in the Batman universe. If we reach two hundred unique emails, we will do it. Yes, <laughs> and you win a, a free pair of bat nipples. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, June 4th, we got Batman Death Mask, uh, number three of four, uh, Detective Comics 845, Nightwing 145, and like we mentioned earlier, Robin Spoilers Special. So, If you, uh, if anyone out there enjoys Batman Death Mask, let us know. Email us at batmanuniversepodcast at yahoo.com because I, I've glanced at it and I'm not really digging it. Um, and I haven't I haven't checked out this uh, well number two but I checked out number one I, I just didn't like it 
But if someone out there is a fan, defend that comic for me, please. Exactly. We're all on the fence on that one. Yeah, we're we're all kind of just thinking of how we, you know, I don't know. I think it's basically my opinion of it is that DC wanted to try an anime kind of style because Batman Gotham Knight is anime style. That's mm-hmm. just my feeling on it, but I, I glanced at the issue. It was interesting in my comic book story. It was backwards. You had to read the back page first and go forward, and that was neat. Um, but the artwork, yeah, just the manga thing. And then the other, the big criticism I found on a website was that, uh, well, wow, it's just another retelling of uh, of Batman. The, the his was just wearing a mask as as Bruce Wayne, and he's you know he's really the Batman. Like, wow, we've heard this a thousand times. And uh, and so after that, I thought, yeah, that's kind of how I felt, and I haven't I haven't gone back to it to see if it changed or got deeper. All right, so our feature of the episode, which you're probably thinking, are you guys kidding? An hour and five <laughs> minutes into the podcast, you're going into the feature. Well, they have two weeks to listen to this. Yeah, really. yeah. Well, actually, yeah. because we are so late on coming out, you actually only have like a week and a half. It, oh. Less than that, because we'll actually have, we'll, we're going to keep on schedule, even though we fell behind, we'll keep on schedule so that the the listeners don't, you know, get gypped out of an episode where we push it back a week or something like that, so. That's right. You know what, this episode, we'll just, we'll just say it's the Memorial Day special. You know, yes. to all to all our military Batman fans out there, thank you for what you do for this country, and uh, especially since you're a Batman fan also. <laughs> Defending our freedom to read comics, especially Batman comics. Now, Memorial Day, we recognize fallen heroes, not 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 already. That's Veterans Day. Okay, so yeah. we will we will remember those who have given their lives for us to read Batman comics. <laughs> there right. you go. There you go. That were Batman fans. <laughs> All right. So our feature is the history of Gotham City. Um, there's a lot to this, um, we're going to kind of cover it bit by bit, um, I'll start off with, alright, so we're going to play a song that you might or might not know, but here it is. Oh, my goodness. 
Alright, for those of you who don't know, that was the song entitled Gotham City by R. Kelly. Now, we are not supporters of uh, R. Kelly at all. Just want to make that known because he's popping up in the news a lot today, or a lot now for things that we're not going to mention on this podcast because we're a family-friendly podcast. So... Oh, songs like that are why Gotham is so violent. Yes, that's exactly why. And it's another reason why, because he's singing it, Gotham is so violent. <laughs> you would think it would calm you, but no, not happening. But that's the song from uh, Batman and Robin, which, you know, we all love so much, uh, entitled Gotham City. So I figure we just start out with that, just to get on the lighter side. But, yeah, it's completely useless because its song sucks. But, um... You go strange. But, all right. Oh. Right, so, <laughs> Gotham City was first introduced in winter of 1940 in Batman number four. That was the first time it was ever identified as where Batman was living. So, in uh, the fictional history of things, um, basically, Alan Moore, who is a pretty popular writer, wrote... A fictional history for Gotham City in, in uh, Swamp Thing number 53, and pretty much everyone's stuck to that. So, in his tale, there was a Norwegian mercenary that founded Gotham City in 1635, and then the British later took it over. Um, the story that parallels the founding of New York by... It, it's basically very similar to the way New York was founded by the Dutch and later taken over by the British. So, as we all have assumed over the over the time Gotham City is extremely similar to New York City just not the same so and uh, that thing now isn't it the interesting thing about that is that uh, it appeared in Swamp Thing it appeared in Batman is that right no that's absolutely wrong oh okay Swamp Thing 53 actually was just, it was written uh, Alan Moore he basically wrote the history of Gotham City because Batman never really created the history. That's all. Be uh, right, went, yeah. Right. yeah, Swamp Thing 53 actually came out in uh, October of 86, so I think, it, like I said before, it's just basically he created the history that nobody else ever did. But besides that, I mean, Gotham City was, everyone knew, because if that this comic was made in 86, it gives it more of a history of, instead of everyone who in the 60s who knew Gotham City as being Gotham City, New Jersey... It was actually just Gotham City and created a history of itself instead of making it as a real city that exists in everyday life. So, um, During the Revolutionary War, Gotham City was the site of a major battle and rumors that it held various occult riots. Rights. Um, later on, there was a storyline that basically said Gotham's history has changed over time. Um, it started with Ra uh, Ra's al Ghul releasing the debilitating virus called the Clench during the Contingent storyline. That arc wrapped with the city being beginning to recover only to save an earthquake uh, described as being 7.6 on the Richter scale in Catechism. This results in the federal government cutting off Gotham from the rest of the United States in no man's land. The trio of storylines allowed writers the freedom to redefine the nature and mood of the city. The results suggested a harder city with a more resilient, resourceful, and cynical populace. A more dramatic and varied architecture and more writing possibilities by attributing new locals to the rebuilding of Gotham City. 
Um, the name Gotham City is generally associated with Batman and DC Comics, although it appears for the first Mr. Scarlet story by Frantz, Warren and Jack Kirby from Wild Comics Number 1. Kirby historian Greg Theakin notes that this was published 19 or December 13, 1940, shortly before Batman 4 was published. So maybe Bob Kane actually stole it from Kirby. Mm-hmm. Hey, Controversy. You know, you know the, how they say about uh, uh, magicians, you know? You know, to get a good act, you got to steal it. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> Go. Okay. Uh, on the architecture of uh, Gotham City, um, you know, of course, many artists have uh, done their own rendition of the skyline of Gotham City. I really like the the animated series, the, the the style that Bruce Tim did with the Art Deco style, and I I've always felt that that's that's fit Gotham City. I mean, even since the from the point where um, uh, Tim Burton, you know, when the, one of one of the good things that he did for Batman was that he made it dark and grim, and he gave it you know the shadows look so great. I, think with the animated series it took it a step further and it gave it so much um within the shadows there's depth and i i think that's the appeal of the art deco style at least for me um and i i I love how the how the city looks i don't know if uh, either of you have seen um a lot of the artists that were either working on the movies um their depictions of gotham city and they've always drawn it uh, well, drew it at night, and oh man, I own some of those, those pieces, you know, of course copies, but um, man, I can just look at it forever and look at it, the detail in there and how the the theme of Gotham City, they've all carried it, but they always carried a piece of that, that Art Deco style, at least in the first, you know, really two films of it. Yeah. I, I think... I think it was a good idea to... The, the, well, Art Deco goes well with the dark shadowy style that they were really doing which worked perfectly the only downside i would have to say is um the giant naked men statues that would be my oh. downfall <laughs> uh, wasn't that joe schumacher was, yeah, that, was, joe that, schumacher. was that was actually all of them if you look at if you watch batman at the very beginning when they're all oh. sitting there and then at gotham the waterworks, right gotham yeah. waterworks they had two statues out in the front right yep and that got carried through the entire first four movies for some unknown reason. I don't know. I've never been to a city that has giant naked. Well, I mean, they weren't naked. <laughs> l- 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 let me let me correct myself. They weren't naked in the fact that you could see their special parts per se, but they were um, pretty much. You know, imagine you know at uh, you know a statue of some guy from Greek times without his special parts showing. And there's these gigantic people. You know, I, I never got that. I've never seen that ever, wherever I've gone. Like, like those granite statues or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I've seen lions in front of museums. Statues of lions. Not giant naked men. <laughs> One more reason Gotham is uh, dark and gritty and ultraviolet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just another sign. Damn them. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of architecture... Uh, I, it really bothered me whenever uh, they had their no man's land thing, and Lex Luthor rebuilt it and made everything shiny and pretty and uh, oh, I hate, clean. I, hate. I don't like that. I it associate had too much glass. It had too much glass. Honestly, yeah, I, it looks more like a, a replica of Metropolis than anything it else. It does. 
And I can understand, well, they did that on purpose because Lex Luthor made it. You know, he wants lots of glass to make it hard for Batman or whatever. But I'm ready for another earthquake or for some virus to affect the architecture to make them all grittier quickly. Because my my Gotham City was full of gargoyles and statues and spires and lots of things Batman could blend into. Um, And uh, what's that? (laughs) <laughs> I could do without those. Uh, I could do without those. I'll, I'll replace those with gargoyles. But, uh, and really, yeah, gasp, gasp. This is this is my criticism of uh, Batman Begins. But uh, I thought that one of the reasons I didn't like Batman Begins, one of the things I didn't like about Batman Begins, was looking at the city shots. I I did not see. I'm maybe I'm just too used to the Tim Burton with with that uh, that traditional gothic look. And Batman Begins just looked like a crisp, clean city with blocky buildings. And I'm like, how's Batman going to work with that? Uh... <laughs> well, they were showing the good district at the time. Yeah, I guess you could say that. <laughs> I still, I just didn't like it. Well, re- well remember when he was out down in, uh, what was it, uh, where the poor people were at? Narrows. The, yeah, there yeah, you the... go. The Narrows, right then, I mean, he, he, he was climbing on things. Yeah, yeah. So if he's in the poor part but of town, we, he's... You don't have that Art Deco gothic look. You know? I know. That's what I like. I agree with you. I, but I like he can it. still get that Batmobile up on rooftops, no problem. So, well, there you go. <laughs> well, at least he didn't have any crazy grappling hook that made him drive up the building walls. <laughs> yeah, that was a stretch. Oh, was... my goodness. <laughs> All right, so when we get into the geography of uh, Gotham City... It's basically very similar to the geography of other fictional cities in the DC Universe, like Metropolis or uh, Star City, or what's Flash's city? I don't even, I can't even remember. Well, I know Star City is one of them. Well, Bloodhaven's another fictional city that's within the DC Universe. Bloodhaven is located like directly across the from the co- the, the the water front or whatever it's basically like if you picture new york city you've got new jersey it's very similar to that so um in the majority of appearances gotham has been placed on the eastern coast of the united states like i said before earlier or similar to new york city so um when where was so in Swamp, Swamp Thing, the geography of Rhode Island was the basis of another um, Gotham City, but not the same. Um, when the ma- there was a map that came out of Gotham City that was produced during the No Man's Land story arc, that was actually the map that Christopher Nolan used when he made his map for Batman Begins which I'm sure a lot of people didn't know. The But the airport was moved to the uh, different area, and the Narrows was in, uh, was added in between Midtown and Downtown. And then Wayne Tower was moved uh, to the middle of Midtown. Uh, so um, the, different, the distance between Gotham City and Metropolis has varied over the years, being you know, a few hundred miles apart um, to Twin Cities on the opposite, large of the, or opposite ends of the bay. My theory is that uh, <clears throat> Metropolis is more near St. Louis, Gotham City's New York City, so um, Bloodhaven is more like New Jersey, and that's the way I look at it, so 
Um, yeah. yeah, you know, uh, Metropolis, yeah, it always seems like it's somewhere, like, around there, like, the, like, south of Chicago or something, you know, some somewhere around that kind of area, where, you know, of course, the Batman, uh, Gotham City has always been east coast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, for some reason, in Man Bat number three, um, Gotham City refers to being in the central time zone, so it could be in Chicago, but... Because it's the different universe, it doesn't really matter. It's where you know it's whatever the writer wants it to be. So, um, in the 1960s live action TV series, they never really specified a location for Gotham, um, but in their in the movie for that time, uh, they showed it had a harbor and a beach, um, and uh, I think Wikipedia says that it kind of implies location close to or similar to Boston. Um, and that's really as far as they went with it in the 60s. <clears throat> yeah, the 1989 movie, uh, let's see, Tim Burton was in charge of that. And uh, uh, the map that they used in the film was actually an inverted map of Vancouver, British Columbia. Um, let's see, what are some more interesting things about that? Uh, let's see, the uh, production designer, Anton First, he said that set designs for the movie were an attempt to imagine what might have happened to New York City had there been no planning commission and had it been run by pure extortion and crime. Hence, there are no height restrictions. The skyscrapers are uh, cantilever toward the street rather than away. There's a lot of bridges over the streets. And so the city appears it's very dark and claustrophobic. And Tim Burton even stated that it's as if hell came sprouting out of concrete and kept right on growing. So that's really neat. Yeah, Uh, there was also a thing that said that uh, the guy who was in the art department, who basically said he was told to make Gotham City as the ugliest and bleakest metropolis imaginable. So, anyway. Yeah. And so you can see it really really resembles New Jersey. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but it is it's i i love that gotham city you know they say it's ugliest and bleakest but i love that gotham city i'm right along with you chris i love that gotham city you know uh, parents love their ugly kids and and so they see no wrong and maybe that's the same i'm a huge batman fan i can't i can't hate it but or i just love it because it's ugly i guess uh anything else about the 89 batman that i'm forgetting no, I think that's about it for that. Okay. Well, skipping ahead to uh, Batman Begins, they took a bit of a different look at it. Uh, well, hold on, hold on. Even though we, oh. we hate Forever and Robin, we still got to cover that too. Oh, did they say something good? Okay. No, know. they didn't really say anything good, but we do have to cover that. Uh, basically, Batman Forever was going to be shot in Cincinnati using an old subway tunnel. Um, The exterior of Gotham City Hippodrome, the arena where the Flying uh, Flying Graysons performed, is based on the exterior of Union Terminal, a famous 1930s Art Deco train station in Cincinnati. And the famous Naked Men become more metallic in uh, in these two movies. Um, Much more metallic and much larger as the bat wing, or uh, what is it, the bat wing that flies around, you can see them a lot better and they're all over the place. So, I guess they really should have shot in Cincinnati, Ohio. (laughs) Because if they had the Art Deco station, it might have been better than the lots they used. Yeah. Okay, and Batman Begins. um, 
takes a bit of a different look at it. Uh, let's see here. Instead of being more New Jersey-ish uh, and gothic, uh, Christopher Nolan went with a very similar uh, city compared to Chicago. Um, actually, see, the Wikipedia article here says it's a digitally enhanced Chicago uh, because it includes the elevated train tracks, skyline, subterranean streets filmed on the actual lower Wacker Drive. And various Chicago skyscrapers are visible in several shots, including the Sears Tower, two, pre- uh, two Prudential Plaza, Water Tower, Twin Marina Towers. Um, so that's interesting. Um, he wanted to see Nolan design Gotham City to be a large, modern metropo- uh, metropolitan area that would reflect the various periods of architecture that the city had gone through. Elements were drawn from New York... Uh, city, Chicago, Tokyo, the latter for its elevated freeways and monorails, but it could be seen, let's see, there, blah, 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 blah. Uh, the Narrows, they were uh, based on the slimmest nature of the now-demolished walled city of Kowloon in Hong Kong. That's interesting. Oh. But, uh, but yeah, I kind of felt like uh, Batman Begins. I could tell it was a little bit Chicago-y. Um, I don't know if they meant for it to be geographically placed in Chicago. Um, I think really they're just going for the look of Chicago, I would theorize. Well, you know, I think that uh, somewhere along the line, I guess, through the history, I think they wanted Metropolis to be New York and have uh, Gotham City more like Chicago. And so I, I guess that's where I guess they could kind of like, I guess, draw from, I guess. Yeah, it makes sense to me, but at the same time, Metropolis has never been. I always pictured Metropolis on like a river, not an ocean. So that's the yeah. only thing. I mean, I can understand maybe they want Metropolis to be more populated than Gotham City would be. So it makes sense why they would want them to be New York City and not Gotham City. Mm-hmm. But I really don't think that makes a difference. I think the geography comes into play a lot more than anything else. Yeah, and like um, I guess uh, the like Chris was saying when 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 you saw the film, you kind of got that Chicago esque feel. Um, I guess you know from movies we've, we've seen before, and um, you did kind of get that. But at the same time, when they showed the city, it showed like a the, like a larger city than what Chicago would be. All right. Well. One of the questions that we had asked was, what's some of the notable residents that are from Gotham City? So, <clears throat> of course, Batman and Robin obviously live in Gotham City, but also Nightwing when he's not in Bloodhaven, Huntress, Barbara Gordon, and most recently Batwoman. Some of the other DC characters that have also been depicted into living in Gotham include Jason Blood, also known as Etrigan the Demon, Ragman, The Question... Plastic Man, Zatara and Zatanna, Simon Dark, which we've talked about before, Tommy Mahanigan, and the anti-hero Hitman. Um, The superhero team Section 8 and Justice Society of America, also known as JSA, are also shown operating out of Gotham City sometimes. So, um, Batman is actually not the first hero in Gotham. Stories featuring Alan Scott, the Golden Age Green Lantern, set before the and during World War II 
depicts Scott living in Gotham and later depictions showing him running as Gotham, his Gotham Broadcasting Corporation, GBC. Additionally, the Justice Society of America, Dr. Fate, and Golden Age Black Canary have also been depicted as operating Gotham. Uh, Black Canary's daughter, the modern age Black Canary, Black Canary, is based in Gotham through much of the Bird of Prey series, which we all know comes out July 8th. Um, and apart from the superhero residents, um, there, you know, we've got plenty of GCPD people, which we've all known about, and the mayors, which are pretty irrelevant when it comes to the majority of the comics, so. You know, on the, on the Green Lantern one, wasn't it in the, the Hush, uh, the Jeff Loeb story he wrote, wasn't Green Lantern in, uh, Metropolis when, uh. When Bruce and uh, oh, what was his best friend's name? Uh, I'm trying to Tommy. think of it. Thomas Elliot. Tommy. Yeah, yeah. There you go. The the uh, Green Lantern was shown fighting there in the Metropolis. I don't remember that. Yeah, it was in the. Uh, it was when um him and Tommy were young kids and uh they were visiting and uh Bruce's uh... dad phoned the state by the car and they didn't stay yeah. by the they went to go look at uh uh scott go fight off in the back with the who, who was the villain I'm, I'm i'm thinking of mr freeze but it's not mr freeze it was someone mm-hmm. else but uh yeah that was that's where uh uh right now when you were saying that he was a resident of gotham uh i think in in that series i think in some stories they even depicted him living in metropolis even yeah, I forgot about that. All right, so um, that basically wraps up the feature. So the guy who wrote us about getting Batman uh, Gotham City history, I hope that helps. Although I did come across a couple things that, I've, that I didn't remember we had when we were doing listener uh, Q&A. I actually had a couple pod mails that I forgot to read. So oh. i got to read those real quick so that people don't feel like they're i'm leaving them out so um this is from zach he says this is a great podcast and i really like how you run it i'm just catching up since i just found it but it's really good thank you for doing it as for forgotten villain maybe the ten-eyed man and not forgotten but one of the villains i liked was hugo strange well we just hooked you up (laughs) (laughs) just got it and we just found out that hugo strange was joel schumacher <laughs> and his greatest superpower seemed to be faking his own death. All right, so this one's from Jeff. He says, "Well, I've listened to every episode when they've come out. I haven't written since the first one. All I can say is the show gets better and better. I'm I, I'm glad to hear a little more talk about the Batman comics. Batman is the first and foremost of uh, a comic book icon. The addition of Chris and Apple worked well, and I hope they are able to continue in subsequent episodes. Keep up the good work, Dustin. Oh, thank so, you very much. Oh, cool. Thank you. And then I noticed that we have two new reviews on iTunes, and one of them says, Must listen for Batman fans. Five stars. And I can't see who it's by, but it says, A podcast that has a little of everything for Batman fans. This show gets better with every episode. Um, then another one, five stars. A solid podcast with excellent information about the world of Dustin. Or a world of Batman. Wow, I wish there was a world about me. <laughs> <coughs> 
the host Dustin makes the show makes the show very enjoyable. He is both perfect at giving you the informa- information in the Batman universe and trying his best to improve the show so we the listeners are satisfied. It can get better than this. It can't get better than this. Let me rephrase that because otherwise it sounds like I'm doing a junky job. <laughs> it can get better than this. It could get better than this. <laughs> and then I think one other one that I didn't read the last time was from Movie Phone, and it says informative and interesting. Exactly what a podcast should be. Simple, yet yeah, to the point. I don't know who Movie Phone is, but maybe it actually is. You know, hello, uh, I was you've reached to... Movie Phone. <laughs> I was listening to another podcast uh, about a month or two ago, and they mentioned the same thing that they had gotten an iTunes uh, review from Movie Phone. And they checked it out, and it seemed legitimate. And so I don't know, I don't know what movie phone is doing, but well, here's here's actually a the email that I was sent that was listed movie phone. It was from Graham, and it says, "Hello, Dustin. My name is Graham, and I'm an avid fan of your podcast. I discovered it late two days ago from this email, but it's hands down the best Batman podcast available. Your information is informative and interesting. The presentation you give is real and familiar." Uh, making it hard or making it even more enjoyable for the Batman fans like myself. As I said before, I joined late and only eight episodes are available. The last dated April 4th and now is the 27th. I'm worried that you have somehow canceled your podcast. Please let me know that I am wrong. Yours is the only one worth a, and he uses the D word, which we don't use because we're family friendly. Uh, finally, I'd like to, I want to thank you for taking time from your own life and making something awesome and available for free all over the world. You rock so hard. Please continue, and if you're busy, then I hold nothing against you, but know that you don't suck or something stupid like that. <laughs> so that was also by, the I'm assuming, the same person because his name on here was Movie Phone, but and I'm pretty sure I'd read that before, but either way, um, we appreciate the fan gratitude from everyone. Um, I know I like it. I know these guys like it. Let me know if they're doing okay. Let me know if you want me to kick them off the show, which I'm, sh- <laughs> which I'm sure is not the case. But uh, as always, we're going to do the little rundown. You can email us, batmanuniversepodcast at yahoo.com. Chris, where can you go to check out the website? Oh, oh on the spot. You can go to, uh, let's see, it's on Podomatic. Uh, you may have to take over. I'm, I'm frantically trying to go to that website. <laughs> Batman Universe <podcast laughs> You can uh, Google Batman Universe Podcast. Well, if you Google it, it'll be the first thing that pops up. But those for us who don't, who are actually using our brains, it's BatmanUniversePodcast.Podomatic.com. You had everything but the .com in that sentence. So, um, you can leave Podmail or... Leave your comments, or you can go to iTunes and let us let iTunes know that we rock, and we're much better than anything else that's out there. So, I want to thank Chris and Apple. Yeah, thanks so much for having us back. I'm sure you guys will be back many times in the future. Always a blast. Yes, it is. Always happens here. Well, as as is here. <laughs> I, I do want to tell the fans I, I I do want you guys to know even though this this episode is an hour and we're going on 35 minutes right now I do want you to know that it actually takes Chris Apple and I close to like four hours to record this because we pause and get off topic and start talking about something else so what you hear actually is the discussion that we want you to hear out of our four hour discussion that's been tonight so 
Thanks, everyone, for listening. And we will see you next time on the Batman Universe Podcast. Email us.